Hello and welcome to the sixth Ignite Talk with our topic for today being How to Follow in the Fearless Example of Mary in the Lion City. A very good evening to you. My name is Keith Newbronner and joining me live but not quite in the studio is Father Jovita Ho, the parish priest at the Church of St. Anne's. A very warm welcome, Father. How are you this evening? Okay. Thanks, Keith. Well, um, I'm feeling okay, I think. <laughs> uh, well, life is uh, just carrying on as usual, but of course with more challenges each day. But thank God, you know, sanity is still kept safely by the Lord. Mm. So, well, I, I'm good, I'm good. I hope things are well with you too. They are, they are. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Um, and yeah, Good to see you, and you're, you're you're looking nice and happy as well. And I like that you're you're wearing blue, and I'm wearing blue. Perfect for our lady, I think. Mm, yes, it is. <laughs> okay, and to all of you at home, just a reminder that our conversation today uh, can only be more interesting and richer if you participate. Okay, so send us your messages and comments on WhatsApp to six eight nine five one five one five, or if you are tuning in from YouTube or Facebook, just drop a comment or question in the chat. Okay, so now before we start proper, uh, Father, could I invite you to say an opening prayer, please? Sure. Come, we bless ourselves in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father God, in Jesus' name we pray. We give you thanks and praise. We thank you for the gift of light, the gift of life, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. In a special way this evening, Lord, we thank you for the gift of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, and mother of us all. Father, as we enter into this time of exploration, into this time of reflection, we ask that you enable us to dwell further and deeper into this mystery of who Mary is in our lives, so that we can indeed follow her, her example of being a fearless disciple of your Son, Jesus Christ. So we open this time into your hands, Father, as we pray to the intercession of our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, and at the hour of our death. Amen. All this we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for that, Father. Okay, Father, mm. as we begin our conversation today, um, perhaps let us first understand how and why Mary is described as fearless. Share with us your thoughts on this, Father. Okay, Father. I think one of the 
challenges that we have in the world today, uh, we like to arrive pretty quickly. You know, I mean, I always say, you know, a lot of us, whenever we bought the bus, the moment we bought the bus, you know, we don't actually think about boarding the bus. Our mind uh, is already at the destination. So as a result, we don't take in our, the sceneries, you know, that the bus passed by, the people who are in the bus, etc., etc. So it, whenever we speak about Mary as a uh, fearless, you know, fearless example, you know, of, uh, of all this, we tend to think of her as someone who's already fearless right from the start. Mm. But this fearless from the start is not really something that just arrived suddenly. But it is really a, a process whereby finally we can actually, you know, in our talk today, name her as a fearless person, you know, and the example to follow through. And I think there's no other better way than to take this actually from the scriptures itself. Because in scriptures itself, you know, where we will have, you know, from the Annunciation, whereby when Mary, you know, at the tender age of what most scholars would believe to be maybe about 14 to 16 years old and say, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. You know, she said, Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. No, no, she's a woman of promise, but she's also a woman that has full of future. But yet she's able to say that yes to the Lord. In the visitation also, whereby she rushed to visit Elizabeth. There, there were, you know, when she gave birth to her son, you know, there was, I mean, a lot of people have this romantic idea about what the Christmas is, you know, and, uh, and even this romantic idea about the Magi coming to visit Our Lady and say, wow, so nice, you know, the, she's here with three Magi or maybe more with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. But we don't realize that actually, it is quite a, a, a scene of irony. Because there it is, they are in a stable filled with the smell of the cows, the sheep, the, I don't know what else it might be. Mm. No doubt we know that she was a visit prior by the shepherds, so she also have no idea what is it all about. And also by this, uh, by the Magi, they will say, but it, it is a very contrasting scene. So in, in that sense, you know, and Mary, when she took all these things in, you know, sometimes like the, the way that we take our vases, uh, she couldn't comprehend what in the world is happening. So scripture says so beautifully and says she pondered all of this in her heart. She pondered all of this in her heart. And when she pondered all of this in her heart, she just trusted that the Lord will lead. And of course, eventually, you know, to the wedding at Cana, whereby she say, no, Lord, you are everything. You are, you are here, you know. They have no wine. Actually, do whatever it tells you. And then that's what she calls us to be. And of course, finally, at the foot of the cross. So if we, if we see this carefully, you know, we experience all these things, then we will realize that Our Lady really became fearless, not overnight. But it is a process. A process whereby whereby she finally arrives that I believe that in her son who is not just the Lord and Savior of the world, but also her own personal Lord and Savior. Besides, of course, being her son. So I think this is one of the great examples, you know, whereby you know, she becomes that fearless example for each and every one of us to follow. 
yeah, to be focused on and to realize that she's as human as you and I are. You know, I, I think this is, this is one of the things. You know, we, we tend to put us all high up on the pedestal. Yes, we can honor her with all the titles that, that may mm. be, you know, but, uh, but at the end of the day, she will really be somewhat as human as you and I are. Mm. And I think this is really also one of the aspects why there's that great attraction, you know, of Our Lady, you know, through all generations. Uh, not 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 because, you know, we are scared of her son, you know, uh, or maybe we feel that, oh, it's, it's better to go to the mother. You know, sometimes uh, <laughs> we will, you know, we will try to, you know, sometimes when we have uh, problems, you know, either whether with our fathers or mm. whether we want to get through to someone, we tend to talk to the mom, you know, through the maternal aspect is there. But more than that, you know, it is really because of an infinite trust, you know, almost infinite trust. Well, I want to say infinite. I, I hope I didn't sound, sound theologically wrong here, but the, 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 the infinite trust that she has in God, you know, because she was able to surrender. So her fearlessness, ironically, comes from her very act of surrendering everything that she has. Her life, her dreams, her hopes, her, her persuasions, and even what she perceived to be the correct way. And then she says, I, I, I surrender it all. So the fearlessness of Mary you know, comes from this deep trust that she has. That's why I know there's a saying, you know, anger will tell us what is right, what is wrong, but courage will make it right or wrong. The lack of it will make it wrong, but the much of it will make it right. So, the fearlessness of Mary, you know, comes from this uh, faith that she has so deep in the God uh, whom she has knew, you know, since her, her conception and made more, even more evident and real, you know, through the lives that she has with Selen and St. Joachim, her parents. So it's not something that has just happened overnight, mm. but it is something that has, that has uh, happened over a course of time. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Father. I think that's a quite uh, consoling sort of start in a way because I think sometimes maybe we feel that well, Mary, you know, is always just full of faith, you know, and maybe yeah. we think also it's because oh, because she was full of grace, you know, so faith came to her very easily. There was no fear, but actually, as you rightly put, you know, it's a gradual process, and all of us also will have times where perhaps we feel. Um, you know, when we feel a bit more fearless, you know, that we have complete faith, and then times when we don't feel that way, um, but it indeed is a process, a time, you know, a purifying sort of thing. True, true. It, it, yeah, it is a process. But I, I think for many of us, this mm. process is terrible because, uh, I mean, going back to the analogy, you know, of the bus, you know, because mm. we can't wait to arrive at our destination, yeah. that we missed out the signs, you know, that uh, that will speak to us uh, of of a deeper reality in our journey on a bus. So if we translate that back into our own lives, because we are so intent on arriving that we don't look at the people around us, we don't look at the situation. And also that one of the reasons I think that we don't want to look at the situations or the people is because we cannot solve them. We cannot find a re- resolutions. And when we cannot find a resolution, uh, then we get very angsty. 
know, <laughs> because we, we we can't find the answer. And when we can't find the answer, I say, ah, forget it. This is this is not real. This is not true. You know. Mm. Then then that's where we again, for convenience sake, we elevate our lady to somewhere very high again and say, oh no, she's been there, done that. Who am I? But going back to scripture, you know, when Mary pondered all these things deeply in her heart, you know, pondering is really a way of saying that. Saya tak tahu, you know, in Malay, we'll say, no, I, 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 I do not know. Yeah. No, I, I, I do not know. I do not know anything. You know, or at least I only know that much, but not enough. Mm. So Mary lived with that pondering you know, all the way to the foot of the cross. Mm. And I think this is also an invitation for us. Uh, and I think because the world cannot accept this at this point of time. The world cannot accept living with the question. Mm. But she's showing us, you know, there is eh, to live with the question requires a lot of courage. Eh? Mm. Yeah, everybody think to to live with the question is a is a is a defeatist attitude. Hardly, hardly. Mm. But it is really about you know I live with the question. Not that I'm not interested in the question, but the question cannot withhold me mm. from living that life fully. So can you imagine if, if Mary is still trying to contemplate on why? Gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then she's going to think about it, you know, all the way until Jesus crucified on the cross, and she may not still get the answer. I mean, her whole life. Mm. Instead of the experience of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh being a stepping stone for her. And also that that stone also for her to move on in life, it may prove to become a stumbling block of salt for for her. Mm. And likewise for us, you know, if we always want to question the question, mm. you know, and rather than say, okay, I can live with the question at the moment, but let me move on in life, then that questioning the question becomes the, 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 no, no, becomes so core of ourselves that we lose the true call. Mm. That true call as well, or what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. You know, that's why we, we always call Mary, you know, I would say the first disciple, the first believer. Mm. You know, because, yeah, she believed and she became a disciple and that's what gives her that that uh, that special place, you know, within our lives mm. that we can so much uh, associate with. Because nowhere in the Bible, you know, does mm. it make Our Lady seems like she's some, some uh, goddess or deity of sort, you know. Mm. But as someone who was really in, in, in that life, that that was lived at that point of time, so she really exists in time and space, you know, that, that we can identify with. So sometimes we would like to think our lady just arrived. Then we didn't realize, you know, can imagine for 30 years, I don't know what sort of question did Jesus ask her, you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She will... Jesus will be asking a question. I can mention for a moment, you know, as a kid, you know, we'll be asked why. I mean, no doubt Christ is fully man and fully God. Yeah. But he also had to live through the experience mm. of that 30 years as a carpenter. You yeah. know, and I was the son of a carpenter, son of Mary. Likewise, you know, Mary and Joseph were also lived through that 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 number of years, you know, answering that those questions. Or even at times say, you know, son, I really don't know the answer. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 I I I hear what you're saying because it can be really difficult living in that 
tension lah, you know, of knowing just what you need to know, I suppose, at a particular point in time, but wanting to know more lah, because we like to plan, we like to have things, you know, certain, um, but Mary indeed is that epitome of someone who, you know, can take what, what, what she knows, ponder over it and but always seeking you know always seeking the will of god and slowly allowing god to reveal also you know, and being okay with that tension yeah, yeah. not easy to do mm-hmm. right, Father? yeah yeah it's, it, it is not easy it's not easy for many of us mm. i won't want to say all of us not easy for many of us priests included you know, whether we are priests, we are bishops, cardinals, or even the Holy Father himself, you know. Mm. If we can remember, you know, the scene, you know, whereby the Holy Father approached the icon of Our Lady, you know, mm. uh, the Our Lady Hope of the Romans, you know, that mm. particular icon. I am sure that you can see, you know, within him he has, you know, at the moment he touched the icon, you know, there in St. Peter's Square, for those of us that seen, saw that particular scene, you know, it is like he has no answers. Mm. He also, don't know, he, he, I, I would like to think that he feel for a moment that, you know, I can imagine asking God, Mother, you know, don't abandon your people. You know, you are the hope of the Romans, but you're also the hope of all the world. Mm. So I think that is a one powerful image. And the other powerful image is also this particular icon, mm. you know, that I have, that I got it while I was studying in Rome. Uh, well, I, I always tell people, you know, who see this icon and I say, perhaps it's one of the most uh, unflattering representation <laughs> of Our Lady. You know? mm. This particular icon, you know, is actually known as uh, the non-tearing version. Yeah? The non-tearing version uh, uh the Virgin Mary who does not cry. And uh, in this particular icon, uh, which looks very imperfect, is from Athos, this particular island in Greece, whereby all the monasteries are there and the Greek Orthodox monks there, you know, made this icon. I see in this icon something very beautiful because if you can see that picture, you know, of Our Lady, you know, holding on to Jesus. Mm holding on to Jesus. Uh, she still looks very fierce, you know. She uh, fierce, determined, and you will look at her eyes carefully, it's looking at us, as well as looking at Christ. Mm. It is almost as if she's telling us that I'm looking at you, but my eyes are also pointing you towards my son Jesus. And there's also that determined look in her face that says, I am here. So she, I am here first and foremost as mother to Jesus. Mm. And I'm also here for you, for all of you. And where are we aspired to be is be like Jesus, because Jesus looks so relaxed. Mm. And you know, look very surrendered looks you know, safe, into huh? their arms huh? and safe, you know, in the arms of our blessed mother. Because, you know, this is one of those meditations which I'm sure some of us have heard before, you know, as, as how Mary, you know, at a, you know, when Jesus take up the, the thing down from the cross, you know, one of the meditation would be that how 
Our Lady held on to Jesus and that held on to, holding on to Jesus is a replaying, you know, in that sense of how she held on to Jesus, you know, when he was born. So it is not some detached imagery, but it's something that is real. And in this particular icon, it is really Mary, you know, becoming that woman of faith. She is not not she's she's not crying not because she's strong, but she's not crying because of who Christ is in her life. And I think one of the other things that we can see that ribs, you know, once I have four ribs, inside have three ribs. I think for me in this icon, it's a, even a deeper mystery, because Our Lady is in this picture evidently is the second Eve. You know, it's the second Eve, and Jesus is the new Adam. Because if you recall in the creation story, you know, God made man fall in the deep set to one of his ribs and close it in flesh. Mm. So this is the woman, you know, who have, uh, as the fathers would have said, you know, have broken the bonds of disobedience, you know, mm. that was uh, created in the creation story in Genesis. But here she is, you know, reclaiming what is truly ours in that sense. That, that being that sons and daughters of the Father, brothers and sisters of Jesus. So here, here is that fearless woman mm. who has really embraced not just the birth and life, but also the death and resurrection of Christ. Mm. So we have to remember this, this overarching thing, you know, of, of these seasons, you know, that Mary went through. And when we when when we know that she goes through that, then we, I I, I think we will really have that joy, and the joy is not absence of of issues, you know, but the joy, you know, of emulating her as an example, that fearless example, you know, mm. in our world, in our society today. Yeah, yeah, and I like this, uh, you know, hearing you share, I like this image of how Mary not only holds Jesus, but I think also holds us as well as the church, you know. Um, so, Father, I'd just like to switch gears a little bit to uh, hear your take on how Our Lady has helped to has, or her role in the growth of the faith in Singapore these past 200 years. How has she helped the church and also been active? What would you say has been her role in that sense? I think one of the things that we have to do, you know, since we are celebrating Catholic 200 SG, mm. one of the things we, you know, we are very introspective people. Uh, but I think we also need to be retrospective people. Mm. So re- retrospective is to claim back the history, you know, of the church and also our own experience, you know, about who Our Lady is in our lives. You know, in the whole of Singapore, we have seven churches, you know, mm. dedicated to Our Lady. You know, and for me, uh, I was fortunate, blessed enough, you know, to belong to one of these from my the day I was born up to about when I was 31, 32 years old. Mm. My second year in the seminary before because my mom shifted to Pishan and I became a parishioner of Christ the King. But prior to that, I was a parishioner and a very uh, active parishioner in that sense uh, of Our Lady Perpetual Sacred Church in Siglap Hill. 
So for me, since the youngest day, you know, I've always seen the icon of Our Lady Perpetual Soccer. Mm. And it's perhaps also the most popular icon that mm. we have here in Singapore, where quite a number of churches, you know, even in Christ the King, you know, where eventually I was ordained, there was a icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Soccer there. But through the years, it's also, I have seen how Our Lady has helped, in particular, the parish of OLPS, has grown in strength, but also grown in its own holiness. Maybe let me just share, you know, I mean, when I was between 20, I think it should be 26 to about 29 years old, when I happened to be the LITCOM chairman of Our Lady Perpetual Soccer. And I, that's when I realized there was this great need, you know, to know who exactly is this woman, you know. Mm. Not just an icon, but truly as a person. And it was also, I, I felt the urgent need also, because uh, I was also uh, discerning priesthood at that point of time. And I remember I had a chit chat, you know, with the then rector and now Archbishop William Goh. You know, he said something to this effect to me, you know, he said, you know, our Lady is not necessary, you know, but she is important, per se, you know, mm-hmm. in our vocation. I mean, we can go through our prayers without invoking her, because after all, Jesus is the only mediator, but she is important. I mean, in a way, it's reflect, you know, I, I can enter the seminary, you know, through is the church that accepts me, but my own mother, my own family is also important. It's part of the thing. Mm. So I, so it was with that great faith, you know, I try to be very emotionally attached to Our Lady. But however, there's one particular day, I think it was in 2003 or 2004, when we had the parish feast day in LPS. And strangely, that particular, it was, it was every last Sunday of June. And strangely, that particular month had been raining quite incessantly. And mm. uh, I was like, okay, as a late com chair and being working in the army, I said, okay, we need that plan B. When so I actually approached my parish priest, you know, Father Gregoire. You know, Father, it's been raining, you know, this whole few few days, you know. Shouldn't we have a plan B because we're going to have a procession of the icon, you know. And with rain, we can't let the people go out. Then I say, ah, don't worry, it will not rain. Then I say, but no, there's no plan B. You know, we just go with it. Then I say, okay. And on the day itself, you know, particular Sunday, it started pouring heavily at 5 p.m. The mass was at 6 p.m. Mm. And now I was really getting a bit worried, you know. And I say, okay, this can't work, you know. I say, at the back of my mind, I say, you know, in the army, we must always have plan B, you know. Yeah. So I was like scrambling, telling people what to do in case this happened, that happened. And finally, I approached my parish priest, Father Gregoire, and said, uh, Father Greg, I think we really need to put plan B in place. He says, you have no faith. Our lady will stop the rain. They're like, oh, yo, don't do this to <laughs> me. You know? So we waited, waited. And the rain just got heavier and heavier, you know. I was thinking about what happened during the Holy Father's visit, you know, back in 1986, you know when I was an altar server in the field in National Stadium, and it was really boring, you know. I was saying, ah, this is not going to work. But strangely, three minutes to six, as suddenly as the rain was heavy, it suddenly stopped. Mm. And it didn't just stop. 
the clouds cleared. Then I say, wow, I really have no faith. You know, in that sense. Mm. And, I, and I think this is where, I think for the church here in Singapore, if we, how have we been helped, you know, by the presence of Our Lady is that mm. she is, well, the son is the architect, of course, or more. Mm. But she is the URA planner. Huh? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she's the URA planner. She knows. Mm. And in that sense, I, I I think as church, you know, and this is this is where perhaps after 200 years, you know, in our highly efficient society, uh, we are called to, to renew this trust, you know, in that she knows best and she has the plan. And her plans is not of her own. Her plan is truly the heart of her son, Jesus. Uh, and if we are able to have that, and I think when we are able to take that leap of faith, it's never a blind leap of faith, mm. a reasonable leap of faith. You know, and we take it not because our leaders on the other side, you know, and say, hey, quick, jump, come to me. But it is really about her holding our hands and let's jump mm. together. And I think this is where Our Lady has been, well, for me personally, in the parish of Our Lady Perpetual Soccer. But I think even for the church, you know, because our devotion, our procession, our prayers and all this must lead us to not put her on a pedestal, hmm. which I am sure she definitely doesn't want, but to hold her hand and to take that leap of believing that where she's leading us is where also her son Jesus wants us to be. Mm. Because her desire must be rooted in the heart of her son Jesus. You know, it cannot be somewhere else. Mm. So 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 in, in that sense, you know, I, I, I think for, for us here in Singapore, mm. uh, knowingly, unknowingly, Our Lady had always been at work. As a matter of fact, one of my own reflections, you know, um, I think the fruit of I, my own vocation, you know, is really the fruit of the endless rosaries, you know, that was prayed for for vocations in church every evening mass, before every evening mass. Mm. You know, one of the decades, you know, or one of the intentions, you know, is always to pray for vocation. Yeah. And it is really asking the Lord to bless the parish and bless the church. So I, I, I think this is where, well, whether we have that awareness or not, but hopefully today we will uh, start having the awareness <laughs> that uh, Our Lady is more than just someone whom we invoke when we're in trouble, okay, whom we petition to when we're in trouble. But Our Lady is someone who has been walking alongside with us mm. all this while knowingly or unknowingly, but she's always there. Hmm. Hmm. That's beautifully put, Father. Thank you. I Okay, I'm, I'm going to pick your brains a little bit as a church historian, right? As someone who recently spent three years in Rome studying mm. church history. 
Um, you, you do know a thing or two about uh, church history and also our local church history. I, I was just wondering, you, and you mentioned earlier that there are seven parishes named after Our Lady. We have Our Lady Star of the Sea, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Perpetual Succor, Nativity, St. Mary of the Angels, and they're all spread out all over the island such that in every district there is a church named after Our Lady. Is this just a coincidence or how did this come about in the mm. past? How did this come to be? Uh, well, my... Well, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking off the head now. Yeah. My suspicion is also because many of these churches, perhaps only with the exception of St. Mary of the Angels, mm. they were more or less... Uh, their establishment more or less involved the uh, MEP fathers, the Paris uh, Foreign Missionary Society, you know, the mm. French fathers. And the French fathers themselves would have, you know, at, at least from my own encounters, you know, back in our late perpetual soccer church, especially with uh, people like the late Father Louis Loiseau, he has a great devotion to Our Lady. I, I, I believe that Marian spirituality would have been part of their spirituality. Mm. So for the churches that they would have built, or I mean, I mean, hey, given a chance, they will want to name it after Our Lady. <laughs> I mean, like Our Lady of Lutz, you know, was established by the MEP Father. I mean, even our first Archbishop, our Bishop Alsamendi, was a parish priest there for mm. a period of time. Uh, well, it's called Our Lady of Lutz. I mean, for <laughs> I believe because you know it's some uh, it's something that's close to their heart. Ever for like Our Lady Star of the Sea, which was also established by the French fathers, but it was Star of the Sea because it was based on a naval base. Mm-hmm. You know, and we always have that. That's why the old image of the church, you know, or the structure was built to look like a ship. You know, because of the to remember their own roots, you know, mm-hmm. of uh, of being a naval base, in the church being in a naval base. For Samuel uh, the Angels, because uh, for the Franciscans, you know, their mother church, you know, is really there, you know, in Samuel the Angels, you know, where the particular, where the house, you know, where, where Francis had died, you know, was really, was really there, church has built. So, these are, and of course, Our Lady Perpetual Soccer, where MEP House is located next to. Mm. I think for Our Lady Perpetual Soccer, it's because it was a devotion that was carried out by the Redemptorists, made her known, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as the Redemptorists would say. And uh, and there was a need in that sense to establish a church in honor of Our Lady Perpetual Soccer. I I I I think these are really that Marian spirituality. Okay, it's not the only spirituality, mm. but that Marian spirituality would most probably have influenced the naming of of these churches. Yeah, all these churches. And sometimes I think also, you know, when you name a church after Our Lady, mm-hmm. you know, people don't feel there's this sense of, mm, doesn't sound that bad, you know. Maybe we can find out a bit more. Mm. Yeah. Somehow or other, Our Lady always had that welcoming presence, you know, mm. in that church that's named after her. You know, it's a, because, I mean, we have this idea that, you know, we must be of certain uh, level, you know, must level up first, you know, mm. before we can enter a church. But there is this, you know, this woman, you know, what's so special? Why did they name this church after this woman? Yeah. Then the people go in, they find out a bit more. 
And I mean, evidently, as we can see, you know, in uh, Saint Alphonsus Church, you know, which yeah. is which promotes the devotion, you know, to the icon of Our Lady Perpetual Sucker, they themselves draw so many people. And we also know that out oh, there, so many people, a good amount of them are were actually uh, non non Catholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I remember in secondary school, some of my best friends not being Catholic, and they would ask me close to. Uh, exam time, you know, and I went to St. Gabriel's Secondary. I see you went to St. Pat's, you know, you have the lovely sign behind you. But anyway, some of my friends would ask, you know, hey, are you going to Novena Church? Uh, are, are you going to pray to the lady? I was like, uh, pray to the lady? Which lady? And they like, oh, you don't know, uh, Mother Mary. I was like, oh, I, I do know Mother Mary, but I, I didn't know you go and pray to Mother Mary. And then she said, yeah. Mother Mary is very helpful, has always helped me. And whenever I go to the church, even if um, even if my prayers aren't answered, somehow I feel very safe and that things are going to be okay with her. So that those things from non-Catholics has always kind of stayed with me. So just kind of talking about this a little bit more, at the same time, we know that there are a lot of non-Catholics who perhaps don't understand our relationship with Mary, you know, and perhaps some of us have also struggled, you know, trying to talk about Mary and the role that she plays to non-Catholics. So on that note, what would be your advice in a way? What is a good way to present our relationship with Mary in conversations with non-Catholics? I... I think first and foremost, to continue the trail of thought, you know, mm. Catholics should be fearless, mm. you know, or not being afraid, you know, uh, in acknowledging who Our Lady is in their lives. Mm. And if they are in any way in doubt about the way they believe, then the premise of doubt is always to find out more not to find out more to doubt, then it is where that that faith-seeking knowledge is important. So if, if we, if a, if a friend asks us, they may not necessarily challenge us, they may just ask us, yeah. hey, why do you all pray to Mary? Then if we know the answer, okay, good and well. But if we do not know the answer, then we need to first and foremost find out the answer. Is this what the church understands? about who Mary is. I think because a lot of times it's also the way we understand the Holy Trinity, you know. It is what we call in theology, you know, at least in the Eastern Church, a very processional way. It's about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And somehow or other along the way in our understanding of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we say, Our Lady, Us. You know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Our Lady, than us. Mm. If we have that idea, okay, which uh, some might have, and also a lot of our non-Catholic friends might have, then we put Mary at the level of where the deity is, then we will, then we must, then, so this also comes back to our own relationship with our deity. Then we have to say that, no, that is not the way we understand. Our, Our lady doesn't walk ahead of us. Our Lady doesn't walk behind us, but Our Lady walk alongside us. So if we can, you know, it will be 
maybe more like a circle where God remains at the center and Mary is with us around it. So she is so so if we look at, at the Holy Trinity, you know, which is the essence of our faith, mm. then our lady is just by the side of us. And that is how Catholics understand. I mean, I mean, if, we, if the rest want to go into this part, that part, but, but that is really the basis of how we acknowledge who Our Lady is in our lives. Mm. And that is why when we pray the rosary, you know, we are meditating on the life of Christ. If we are not meditating on the life of Christ, then we are meditating of the impact of Christ's life in Our Lady. And I know sometimes we are very worried about talking so much about Our Lady uh, because uh, we are we, we scared, you know, we become a bit like those uh, Marian fanatic of salt, you know. Mm. But St. Louis de Montfort said so beautifully, don't worry, you can never love Mary more than Jesus. Mm. And if we remember that we cannot love Mary more than Jesus, then I think we are on the right track. You know, in the way that we pray our Marian prayers. And this is uh, one way of presenting the people, you know, that Mary is our someone whom we know, someone who walks alongside with us, and someone who is intimately known to the God to whom we want to believe in Jesus Christ himself. Beautifully put, Father. Oh, you yeah. very inspired today, I feel. All, all your answers very right on the money. Right? Anyway, it's just me. It's just me. Anyway, Father, uh, one last question before we go to Q&A. Um, by the way, send, keep sending us your questions, share with us your comments and thoughts to 6895-1515 via WhatsApp. Or if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, uh, you can drop a comment or question in the chat. Okay, so keep them coming, keep them coming. Uh, but one, one final question before we take questions from all who are tuning in is in Redemptoris Mate, St. John Paul II presented quite a holistic and fearless profile of Mary in our times. Um, and it's quite an interesting document, which I think maybe many of us have not read. And truth be told, I only discovered about it quite recently. Um, but I believe we can learn some things um, about what the document says about Mary, um, in particular in how we can follow her footsteps. So perhaps you can share with us, share with us some thoughts or some lessons that you've gleaned from the document. You know, just like you, you know, I mean, uh, until I was uh, preparing for this uh, particular appearance, I said, oh, there's actually this uh, particular document. So uh, I, I I, would like to say, you know, like, like Mary, I'm pondering. <laughs> but I think one of the key things is this. The key word, you know, in this entire document mm. is that Mary and the Pilgrim Church. And Mary is not the leader of the pilgrim church. Mary is also a pilgrim within the pilgrim church. Hmm. And perhaps the line that perhaps summarizes really, you know, who she is, you know, is the line that Elizabeth used, you know, blessed is she who believes that what the Lord has promised. So she is blessed because she believes. 
which I think is, uh, I mean, as I was reading through the document, you know, I'd say that is really the key thing. Do we believe? And uh, belief is truly, um, I, I think the Holy Father is inviting us to believe, not just through our prayers, our meditation, but in our way of life. So now we always, always uh, joke with some of the younger people and they say, so how do you eat? Uh, yeah, because I, I, I love to eat. You know? so, so how do you eat? <laughs> then you tell me, oh, I take my hand, the spoon, I put inside my mouth, I chew the food and everything. And I say, are you sure you think about all this while you are eating? Mm. Then he says, no. So how do you eat? So he said, I put the food in my mouth. Huh? He said, no. You eat by eating. As simple as that. You eat by eating. Okay? And if we talk about belief, one belief by believing. So it is a continuous act of faith in the Pilgrim Church. And the act of faith is made even more evidently necessary when we face difficulties, especially in today's world. Especially now, you know, in this pandemic that, that, that we are in now. You no, know, at, at the end of this, and I think, I mean, I, I'm, you know, at the end of uh, 200 years, you know, as you enter 200 years, you know, uh, Laurie Inbe would have, Laurie Inbe could have just said, well, you know, these are hopeless people. Let's not bother about what the bishop <laughs> wants. I just tell him one line, you know, I'm not going to write anything. I just tell, you know, your excellency, forget about this outpost. Mm. But Lauren and Bay took their leap of faith by believing in that pilgrim church that is yet to be. And likewise, in our uh, mother of the Redeemer, she is the mother of the Redeemer. And the Redeemer's job is to redeem. Mm. And, and for us, we are the redeemed who's always in the act of redeeming the people around us, the society, the structures, you know, everything within the church. Every, and when we speak of the church, we speak about everyone here, mm. here, here in, in this world. And it all starts off by saying, I believe. And then I believe is the continuous resonance of believing as a verb, the action. And I think this is the term pilgrim, pilgrim church, our lady as a pilgrim, we as pilgrim, we can only be pilgrims when we start believing. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And by the way, if you've just joined us, where today is the 6th of seven Ignite Talks. Today we have had the pleasure of speaking to Father Jovita Ho, the parish priest of Church of St. Anne's, about Our Lady. In particular, how we can follow in her fearless example in our local context. Okay, We'll take questions now. Thank you to everybody who has been submitting questions and sharing your comments as well. Let's go to the first one. Uh, it comes from... Someone with the initials MS, okay, via WhatsApp. And this person asks, 
Father, given today's climate where many are fearful and anxious about the virus, loss of jobs, loss of friends and family even, what do you think Mary would say to us? I think Mary would say, do whatever he tells you. Mm. I, I know it sounds simplistic and possibly even cliche for this uh, brother or sister who posed this question, you know. Mm. But do whatever he tells you means to reject the lies that the world is telling us that we are incapable. Mm. It is true. There are many things that we cannot do. And uh, maybe because we are a complaining society, so we complain what we cannot do. But do whatever he tells you is, are we doing what we can do? Are we doing what we can do? That's why, you know, in uh, in one of my homilies, you know, with my parishioners in St. Anne's Church, you know, for the Feast of St. Anne, you know, I say, if all that we want to do as Catholics is to stand by and be ready to book for Mass every week, and then we get and we get anxious before it, and we get relaxed after that. If we get a get a slot, or we get angry that we don't get it. So, so the 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 question would be: Have we reduced our faith to just that? No, have we reduced our faith to just that? Coming for Mass is in, is important. But now that we cannot, does it mean that our mission has just stopped there? Mm. So we end up focusing on what we cannot do, but we don't look at what we as church here in Singapore can do. What we as church here in St. Anne's, what we here as church in the cathedral, what we here as church in St. Francis Xavier, or whichever parish can do for that community. So our faith is only made real you know, in so far as that we are able to present to the specific needs of that community that we are living in. You know? So I, I tell you, Sinkang's demographics is different. It's different from the demographics possibly, let's say, in Tangling Holt. Likewise, it's also different from the demographics in St. Ignatius Church. So the way we I, I respond here in St. Anne's, you know, do whatever he tells you is the key thing. Will never be the same. So that's where it is important, you know, when we say that in the in atmosphere of this fear and all this thing, don't give in to that fear. You know, you know being because St. Paul will say, you know, we may be faithless, but God always faithful. And we do what we can. You know, as uh, how one of the saying, you know, which once I read on the internet, you know, it is true, you know, you can't change the world by helping one man, but you change the world for that one man you have helped. So my, my, my personal thing would be that, you know, after all the dust has settled, we know how to book our masses and everything. Maybe it is time to do the things that we know we can do rather than hemming ourselves in by saying we cannot do. Mm. Mm. Father, I'd just like to 
ask, and maybe maybe some of our listeners and viewers are thinking this also, is is faith then the absence of fear? Can both of them be together? Can we have some amount of fear but still have faith? How how would you describe that? Faith and fear, mm. I think they are. Mm, this is the challenge when you ask a historian <laughs> this type of question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think fear and faith can go hand in hand, mm. but the glue that puts them together is their life of prayer. The fear that we need to have should be a healthy fear. Mm. A healthy fear whereby no whether what we do is truly of God or of our own. Of God or of our own. And this is where and if we have that fear of it being our own mm. and yet in prayer, you know, what in the the Indian spirituality, you know, we will say that holy indifference, you know. They say, okay, I am quite certain that this is where the Lord is leading. Let's go into it. But the moment we go into it, if the Lord say, retreat, we are okay retreating, we retreat. If the Lord say, dig in, we dig in. So fear is healthy insofar as it is that fear of the Lord. But I'm, I'm wondering whether sometimes this fear that we have, is it a fear of failure? It's a bad fear. Mm, it's you definitely know? not from God then, right? Yeah, it is definitely not from God. And uh, this is where, going back, you know, to earlier part, you know, where we say, uh, we need to ponder on this. We need to think. But pondering is not an idle weight. No. Pondering is also, you know, living our life fully. That's why we say, you know, when, when, when we have the idea of Christian hope, you know, Christian hope is not uh, waiting at a bus stop and hoping that our bus will come soon, you know. Mm. Christian hope is not being stuck at a bus stop. Christian hope is about doing what we can do, what the Lord has gifted us with. And I think that's a good starting point. What the Lord has gifted us with. Because if all you can do at this point is help the person next door, your neighbor, then, well, at least we start somewhere. Mm. But if we can't even do it for our neighbor who is next door, then let's not think big. That woman. Mm. You know, scripture will tell us, you know, we need to be faithful, you know, in that small things, you know. Mm. And if we can't even be faithful with all these small things, you know, how can the Lord entrust us with true riches? Yeah, so, yeah, and, and I think it is the devil's voice, you know, to tell us that we are incapable. Mm. You know, I think it's more for us to tell you are incapable. Mm. You know, but in Christ, you know, anything is possible. And then this is where the intercession of Our Lady, you know, mm. comes very powerfully in the way that we approach life by believing. Mm. And if there's such a word, faith in. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I personally have found when meditating on the different mysteries, you know, and in a way also entering into what it must have been like for the various characters, in particular for Mary in the luminous mysteries for me are very powerful, you know. Um, and I try to imagine, well, those, those events and all that, um, you know, it's not easy, but you draw a lot of strength and consolation uh, from following Mary's example and in that, you know, just pondering. But as you rightly said also, you know, it's not just pondering, it's not just thinking about what is God's will and all, all of that. All that is very important, but sometimes perhaps we forget that in the very moment, in the very situations we are called to, that is where we're called to be faithful and loving. Yeah. Okay, we turn to our next question. Uh, this, this one's quite a curious one. It comes from Kevin, Kevin Sue uh, via YouTube. Kevin is one of our regular viewers, actually. Thank you so much for participating these past few weeks as well. He asks, Mary has so many titles. How can I explain it as the same person? Uh, interesting little question there. <laughs> wow. And it's true because the church, <laughs> the church in her wisdom, you know, always... As uh, in a way, it adds more titles, right? Then never removes titles, so it's always added. So, mm. yeah, maybe this is related to the question earlier about how can we share about Mary with non-Catholics, especially. Um, yeah, now that list of titles is always adding on. How can we explain that? I think the list of titles is really our human way of expressing an ideal. Mm. Mm. So maybe this is where we draw a bit from liturgy. You know, in uh, there are things that celebrates a reality. There are feasts that solemnity celebrates a reality. And there's also feasts that celebrates an ideal. Mm. So uh, like a solemnity of the Lord that celebrates an actual reality is like Christmas the incarnation, the nativity, the birth of our Lord. An ideal feast of our Lord would be like solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe. Nowhere in scriptures does it say that Jesus is the King of the universe, you know? But it is a title that was given, of course. We have to understand, you know, when, pardon my forgetfulness, but when the Holy Father who instituted this particular solemnity, it's because there are people in the world rejecting the lordship and the sovereignty of Christ in their lives. So, as a result, this particular Holy Father instituted this solemnity to remind people that Christ needs to be the lord of their lives. He's king of the universe. So that's ideal. So, even for the titles given to Our Lady, there are also two types. Mm. The reality and also the ideal. The reality will be things like Our Lady of Luz. Why? Because she appeared at Luz. You know, Our Lady of Fatima, because she appeared at Fatima. Mm. You know? uh, so that is the reality. But the rest of it will be the ideal. And the ideal doesn't just come off from uh, come off from because I, 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 I like that, that, that particular title. But yeah. it's from the experience of the people. The census fidelium, you know the senses of the faithful. You know? So when Our Lady is known as Our Lady of Perpetual Sucker, you know, it's just an icon painted uh, somewhere in the 14th, 15th century. Uh, but 
it was uh, given that title and people uh, uh, associated with that with the ideal that she's someone who's who's our leader perpetual help one who helps us our leader of Velankani, you know of health because people would have uh, invoked her for all this uh, for health issues and all this and all, all these ideal feats would have conveyed a, a particular maternal aspect mm. of Our Lady. Put it in human terms. If you come to my home, you know, you meet my mom. My mom is a homemaker. My mom is a chef, a sous chef. My mom is also a carer of the two dogs we have at home. Mm. You know, my mom is also uh, Madam Lim. Mm. My mom is also known as uh, the mother of Father Juvita Ho. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you say all these things, but at the end of the day, my mom is still my mom. Mm. Mm. Her name is Jennifer Lim. Okay. You know, you can say she is a homemaker, you can say this and that, that, that but she is still my mom. Mm. And I think that is where it is an expression of affection when we have all these titles. Hmm. But if we have, if we try to explain to a to a non-Catholic, I would say, but end of the day, Mary is mother. Hmm. Yeah. These are not that these titles are unimportant or they are they define who she is. Hmm. But it does help us in our relationship with her. You know, I mean, when, when I'm in a... I mean, this one was something which I took from the Holy Father, you know. Mm. Uh, whenever I leave Rome or I come back from Rome, you know, I will actually go to... Today is the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major. Mm. So I will always go there, you know. One also because one of my regular confessors is from there, one of the Dominican priests. Um, but also, I felt that it was significant that the Holy Father, before he travels, after he comes back... He will go to Our Lady, you know, of uh, the home of the Romans. Mm. So, in in that sense, you know, for me, it is that hope, you know, because I was, I mean, I I would say, you know, you know, Our Lady, I don't really know whether I know what I'm studying, but <laughs> you are my hope. Mm. Help me. That's how we help the rest. Mm. So that that would be my affection for her under that that title, mm. home of the Romans, because I have that hope. That even if I can only absorb that much in my Italian lectures, yeah. but I have that hope also that I will be able to be whom your son Jesus wants me to be in my teaching, in my studies, in my life. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, we have one comment, um, which I think is quite interesting. I, I do re- recall this actually. So this comes from Florence Jeremiah via YouTube who says Mother Mary was featured on the front cover of the National Geographic magazine in 2015 and she was described as the most powerful woman in the world. And there were quite a number of pages. I do remember seeing this uh, or at least some snapshots of it circulating on Facebook. I did think that was quite interesting. Thanks for sharing, Florence. Maybe you can go and find out, go and read about uh, yeah. what was described mm. there. Did you read this by any chance, Father? Wow. <laughs> I, do, I have to admit, I don't recall reading it in 2015. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I think it was a special no. uh, issue. You know? in my, and, and it was something quite surprising, I think, for mm. me. But, uh, yeah. but 
Yeah. Very interesting indeed. Okay, one final question, which I think is very, um, very, very valid, I would say. Father, in your opinion, how do I cultivate a relationship with Mary? So I know there are devotions and, you know, like rosary and chaplets and all that, but how do I develop a personal relationship with Mary? Good question, I think. First and foremost, do not uh, think little of praying the rosary. Mm. Yeah. Uh, because it is one of the key ways, you know, to develop a relationship or cultivate a relationship with our lady. The other way of cultivating a relationship, you know, with our lady is truly about just having conversations with her. Mm. I, I, I think because of the maternal instinct, you know, that our lady would have and would have also made us aware of. I mean, even for me, you know, I think the way I understand our lady is really also the way I know how my mom has also uh, handled on the faith to me. My mom is a convert. Mm. But uh, today, you know, she's in her old age. She prays more rosaries than me. <laughs> you know? mm. and, um, and I think to cultivate is really through that simplicity. Acknowledging her presence and asking for her assistance. You know, in the biggest of things and also the littlest of things. You know, sometimes it's just about mother, please help me. About asking her you know, to be present. And if for some reason or other, you know, I mean, I also want to acknowledge this fact um, that if we, if our own mothers have passed away already, mm. or maybe we didn't really have that good relationship with uh, our mothers, that doesn't in any way make Our Lady any less of who she wants, of whom she desires to be for us to the heart of a son, Jesus Christ. It is maybe a more difficult task, a more difficult journey, but at the same time, it is also a journey whereby it will make us to be stronger people. In another image, you know, is that if whenever we do online or actual adoration of the Eucharist. One of the titles that Our Lady has out of the covenants, you know, and it is, um, and usually in some imageries, you know, of monstrances, you know, which holds the Blessed Sacrament, it is in the womb of Our Lady. You know? Our Lady and Jesus is inseparable in that sense. So if our relationship with Jesus is require is, is deepening, so will our relationship with Mary. And if our relationship with Mary is deepening, so it will be our relationship with Jesus. It is not very a uh, correct way of talking about it in a structural engineering point of view. I'm not a structural engineer. But last time we always have these things, you know, we say, you know, if you're going to build one story, you know, of a uh, one story building, your piling must be one story deep. So either way, if we, our heightened relationship, you know, 
with Mary would have also have that heightened relationship. It's called, it, 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 it corresponds. So answer to this, Parker Sister's question, you know, I think it's also a, a deeper asking of us, what's my relationship with God like, with Jesus like? Yeah, one cannot be without the other. You know, re- re- recently, you know, um, in St. Anne's Church, you know, we found Father Bertol's uh, ordination chalice. You know, he was ordained mm-hmm. in 1938. And, um, in, and, and, his, and his motto for his ordination was uh, to Jesus, to Mary. You know, I mean, from a very... Uh, uh, some people say, "Oh, that is, sounds so." Uh, no, the, it seems to the it, it seems to heighten the importance of Mary and diminish, you know, the the importance of Jesus. But I don't think so. You know, as I said earlier, you know, Saint Louis de Bonfort said, "Don't worry, you can never love Our Lady more than Jesus loved His Mother." So it's with a great trust, you know, that we 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 develop that relationship. So it must go hand in hand. Both must go hand in hand their relationship with Jesus and their relationship with Mary. Okay. Okay. I think that makes it very clear, Father. And actually a lot of your a lot of how you've described our lady in this whole talk has been I think excellent. I've learned so much. I think everybody at home has learned so much as well. So thank you very, very much, Father. One last question I see has just appeared on my screen. Uh, and it comes from a Margaret Mary. I think this one's not the saint, lah. But anyway, from the saint in the making, Margaret Mary asks via YouTube. Says hi, Father Jovita. For non-Catholic friends, how can we best introduce Mother Mary to them as someone they can turn to as an example of faith and prayer? Mm. Yeah. So not just sharing about Our Lady, but really, yeah, example of faith and prayer. Mm. Our Lady example of faith and prayer if it's a non-Catholic I would suggest you know, I, I, I will go back to the scriptures mm. I will go back to the scriptures you know in the earlier part of the talk you know whereby we had we spoke about the why what we might term as the Marian passages you know we see Mary as the example of the woman who's always believing mm. You know, from the moment of Annunciation to the Visitation to you know, uh, the, the journey to Bethlehem and the visit of the Magi, the escape into, into Egypt, the finding in the temple, mm, mm. You know, and all these things was... These are all great examples of her own faith. And it is placed there not because uh, uh, we got nothing else better to do, but I'm certain <laughs> that it is because it is there to inspire us of faith. So if we can use that, and then we put, then we associate Mary as two other important titles or or way of, of describing her, she is really the first disciple and the first believer. So even for RCIA and all this, uh, I mean, yeah, we we explain about life, the meaning of life, everything, and the incarnation of who Jesus is. But eventually, we have to introduce the mother. Mm. Mm. 
and the mother is does not exist in any hearsay. The mother exists truly in the very scriptures that speaks about her son Jesus. So I I I would, for a start, go back to scriptures. Then after that, maybe I'll introduce what's a rosary about, what's a novena about, novena to our little perpetual sucker or novena to another uh, title of our lady. Mm. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. And I think maybe might be helpful also, Margaret Mary. Great question, by the way. Uh, but might be helpful also uh, as you introduce the scriptures or these forms of prayers to Our Lady um, to guide the person along, pray with the person. And I think that uh, your friends would be also very, very moved by that, you know, in seeing your own faith and belief in the role of Mary uh, I, I think it rubs off, you know. And Our Lady has a way of uh, working mysteriously. La, so you can let her also do her thing with your friend. By the way, thanks to Margaret Mary. Thanks to everybody who submitted questions and comments. We can't take all of them, unfortunately. Um, but we're truly, truly grateful for your contributions. They've certainly helped to enrich our conversations this evening. And of course, big. Big special thanks also to Father Jovita Ho today for sharing his thoughts on how we can follow Mary's fearless example today in our local context. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Okay. But uh, maybe I would yeah. like to share one last image of Our Lady. Sure. Maybe we can sure. use that to close the talk tonight. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, will want, I wouldn't want to say, you know, this is my own personal meditation. But it was a meditation that was done for us as seminarians, you know, by the late Father Ignatius one. Mm. You know, I I can't recall whether I was an initiation year seminarian or or maybe one of those recollections he did, but to me it stayed with me for a long time. The meditation was actually on Mary at the foot of the cross. He shared with us, you know, he says that. When a woman sees her own child dying in such a tragic manner, more often than not, you know, the video images or even the images we might see of a of a woman or a mother sprawled on the ground, beating her chest, wailing uncontrollably, and everything else. But for Mary, and I think for those of us who actually watch Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. It was also that thing, you know, where Mary was kneeling at the foot of the cross. But how when the cross was finally put straight up, you know, Mary stood up. Because in John's Gospel, you know, will tell us, you know, near the cross stood Mary. It may seem like a very insignificant term, but Mm. to stand is not a defiant act, it's an act of faith. Mary wasn't sprawled on the ground. Mary didn't beat her chest. Mary didn't, didn't uh, well, she would have cried, but it was not. It would not be the willing sort of despair, mm. but to stand at the foot of the cross together with John, the beloved disciple, which, of course, we know represents us and represents the church. So the image, you know, the final image of the fearless Mary will be one who stands at the foot of the cross. And we stand at the foot of the cross despite the tragedy that's happening before us. Despite that bloodiness, Mm. despite the questions, 
despite the uncertainties. Because Mary we have no foreknowledge, you know, that three days later her son is going to be resurrected. Mm. But Mary stood there as a woman of hope. So that 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 will be a, a final image which I hope mm. all would have. Mary stood fearlessly at the foot of the cross, mm. not because she dare to stare at it and try to prove that she can make it, but she stood there because she's a woman of hope mm. as well. So let us be people of hope. Amen, yes, Father. Sir. Amen. Thank you for leaving us with that image to ponder about and to steal about uh, tonight or to use a pun this this might sound terrible but I shared it once with a spiritual director and he okay. laughed at me but he agreed okay let us marinate on that image <laughs> thanks father by the way join us again in exactly three weeks time for our final Ignite talk Father Jude David will be speaking about how our youth can launch a new era of faith Exciting topic. So that's 26th of August, also a Thursday at 8pm. So be sure to join us then. Before we go, Father, let's pray the Catholic 200 SG prayer. Um, We'll take turns to pray the different paragraphs. So if I can invite you to lead, Father. Okay, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, your Son commissioned his apostles to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Our founding missionaries left home and country so that we in Singapore may receive the good news and your loving salvation. Thank you for this gift of faith and for all those who labor to keep it alive and burning these 200 years. Lord Jesus, our faith is in danger of becoming irrelevant because of secularism materialism, individualism, and relativism. Grant our communities a renewed missionary zeal and courage to proclaim your name and lordship. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, to renew your people with the conviction and courage of our early missionaries. Rekindle our faith so that we can be beacons of light in a world darkened by sin, hopelessness, and ignorance. Protect us from the snares of the evil one and grant us the grace to remain faithful to you. May our families be models of love and unity. Our workplaces be sanctuaries for justice and integrity. Truth and charity be taught in our classrooms. Parishes live out their mission in communion. The poor, sick and abandoned see the face of God in us. And may peace and harmony reign among peoples of every race, language and religion in our land. Blessed Mother, you were the first disciple and evangelizer to announce Jesus as Savior to the world. Intercede and grant us your maternal guidance and protection as we navigate the uncertain future. Father, may your love and grace ignite our hearts and lead us to launch a new era of faith so that we may once again be a more vibrant, evangelizing and missionary church. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless all of you. 
the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you for really enlightening us with many different perspectives related to Our Lady. Thank you. We are truly, truly grateful. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Uh, wishing all of you also have a very blessed evening and also always trust in the Lord and hope in Him. Amen. Take care and Godspeed. Amen. Amen. And with that, we come to the close of this, our sixth Ignite Talk. Do join us for the last one. It's going to be good. And to find out more about Catholic 200 SG and all the various events going on, head to catholic200.sg. For now, take care. Good night. God bless.